What's going on, everyone? I'm Mackenzie Ingram. This is Everything In Between, and in this episode, we're going to talk about sex. Sex is an uncomfortable topic. It's not talked about enough, especially in church. It is avoided in almost all costs. I think for me, I've never been in a church where they talk about sex. I've watched um, online, specifically Michael Todd. But other than that, I've never learned about it, talked about it. It was never a series. It was never a hot topic. It was just don't have sex before marriage or you're going to go to hell. Basically, it was all that I got out of that. And that did not work for me. Um, There is a huge question around sex and why is it bad? Why should we wait? Where in the Bible does it say that? And so I want to talk about it. And I first want to start off by saying, this is to start off. (laughs) I want to first start off by saying that I'm not an expert in this. Um, I've just done my research, listened to sermons, found scripture, but also I'm coming from a place of a person who has had sex. I'm not a virgin. I'm not afraid to talk about it. I think that it is something that I wish someone would have talked about with me and given me more than just don't have sex. You're going to go to hell. Like if I knew what I knew now, um, I wouldn't have had it. Sex is the one thing I wish I could get back. The one and only thing in my life that I wish um, I could get back and just not have done. But I have. And I've learned from it and I've grown from it. And I know what sex did to me when I was having it. And I know what it has done for me since I have given it up. And that is why I think it is so important to talk about and just share my story, share scripture, share what I think um, based off of a lot of just research that I found of why I think sex, why I know sex needs to be with the person you are married to. There is redemption, there is forgiveness. So if you too are listening to this and you're not a virgin, you're not gonna go to hell. You can repent from this and you can grow from this. I also want to pause and say that if you are a child listening to this and you feel uncomfortable, turn it off. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. I do think it's important for you to learn, but that is something that maybe your parents want to teach you or you want to listen with a parent. But we are talking about sex, which I know parents wait for a certain age to talk about that. So this is your warning now to turn this off or tell or ask your parent to watch or listen with you. So sex outside of marriage. I have this notebook here that my lovely friend gave me for Christmas that I wrote tons of notes at. So if you're watching and I'm looking down, it's because I'm reading from here. But um, the biggest question I have ever gotten asked or just hear a lot is why is sex bad? And I first want to start off by saying that sex is not bad. Sex is good. God designed sex to be good, but in the context of marriage, in the perimeters of marriage. When you have sex outside of that, that's when it can get um, messy, tricky. That's when it becomes sinful. So I first want to say this disclaimer that sex is good. God designed sex for marriage in the context of marriage. And that's what makes it good. We go to scripture, 1 Corinthians 7, 5. And it says, this is talking about sex. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent for a time so that you can devote yourselves to pray, to, to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So God wants us to have sex. There's other scriptures. There's a lot in um, Psalms. Song of songs is like, 
all about sex. Um, So just know that God designed sex to be good in the context of marriage. Um, But because this is such a touchy subject and people, a lot of people are like, well, where does it say that? God doesn't say that. People try to turn his word to make their sin not as bad as it is. But trust me. And again, I've been there. I've been that girl. I did that thing. So we're going to go into a lot of scripture today. Um, We're going to start off in 1 Corinthians 7, 2. It says, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband, wife and husband, not boyfriend and girlfriend, not friend and friend, not family and family. Yes, that happens. Husband and wife. So sexual morality. What is sexual morality? Immorality is often translated into pornea. Pornea, it's a Greek word, um, which means illicit sexual activity. This word is also translated into whoredom, fornication, and idolatry. It means surrendering your sexual purity. What is purity? Your freedom from adulteration or contamination, anything that is dirty or unclean. So now that we got a quick little understanding of sexual morality, 1 Corinthians 6.13 says, You say, food for the stomach and stomach for the food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for God and the Lord for the body. You go to Colossians 3, 5 through 7, it says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to earthly natures, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, and idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Then we go to 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. It is God's it is God's will that you should be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality that each of you should learn to control your bodies in a way that is holy and honorable. Plenty of scripture and there's plenty more. But those are just a few. Culture wants us to believe that sex is good, that you should test the car before you drive it. And how do you know it's going to be good? And how is that going to make you happy? Trust me, I get it. I used to be that girl. I used to not care to live a pure life. I didn't care to honor my body. I didn't care to honor God. I wanted to have sex and I did. And now that I don't, and now that I have given it up, I can see the whole reason of why sex was designed for marriage. People get hurt. People can have babies. People can get diseased. Not saying that you can't do that in marriage, but if you're with one person, your chances of getting a disease are slim to none. If you get pregnant, at least you're pregnant with your husband or your wife. And when hurt is involved with sexual sin, it's usually because you have multiple sexual partners, you're being cheated on, or, you know, you feel like you're being used, which is why I fully believe God doesn't want us to miss out on sex. He doesn't want us to not have a lot of it. He just wants it to be with our spouse, the person that he has designed for us. He designed sex for marriage. We go to Hebrews 13, 4. It says marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and the sexual immoral. The marriage bed should be kept pure. That is before marriage, 
it should be kept pure for you and your husband and within marriage, meaning you should not bring other people in. You shouldn't be watching porn. You shouldn't have a third party included in your marriage bed. It should be pure between the husband and the wife. I was also researching and reading. Um, I don't know exactly what, what scripture it was in, but long story short, if a wife got married to a man, this was like back in, back in, um, the old Testament. If a wife got married to a man and he realized that she wasn't a virgin, he had the right to divorce her. Like that was how serious saving yourself into marriage. And yes, the wife was able to defend herself and her parents had to like get involved in all this stuff, but that's how serious it is. And that's how serious it was. And it will always be to God. He wants you to be pure. He wants you to stay pure. He wants you to have sex, but just inside of marriage. We can also go into the like chemical side of sex and why for me, the biggest thing that I have learned about not having sex is my judgment is not clouded. When you have sex and you have it, especially when you have it with multiple people, your judgment on that person is so clouded because technically like you're high. When you have sex, there's a large amount of dopamine that is released into your brain. Dopamine, aka happy pleasure chemical. That's the chemical that is released when addicts become hooked to something. You enjoy something, so you go back for more. You go back for more and you hunt for it and then you get to a point where you are addicted to that. That is what you create when you are having sex. You can become an addict to it. There are also releases of oxytocin. In which that increases your dopamine. There's serotonin and DHEA. Don't know how to say that, so I'm just going to keep it there. But serotonin is a neurotransmitter that regulates your mood and makes you feel peaceful, happy, hopeful. DHEA is an antidepressant. So basically, when you have sex, all these things are being released and you are ma- it's, you're high, basically. It's making you high. It's making you happy, hopeful. It's an antidepressant. It's creating a false reality for you. And so whether that's you're just thinking you're just having sex with one person, I can guarantee you that something, there's a chemical bond that is creating between the both of you that should not be there if they're not your husband or your wife. And it keeps you in relationships longer than you should be in. It gets you involved with people you have no business being involved in. People that have makeup sex, they don't handle their actual issues. They cloud it with sex. I always tell people that kind of get on to me about how I'm not having sex is I ask them, okay, don't have sex in your relationship for a month and let me know how it does. A lot of people's relationships are only lasting because of the sex, because of this cycle that they're going in and around and around and it's becoming addictive. Sex outside of marriage is very dangerous. Because it can throw you off. Like I said, I'm going to keep saying it. It clouds your judgment. When you are high, which don't know if you've ever been. If you are drunk, don't know if you've ever been. You do not make rational decisions. The same chemicals that are released then are the ones that you are getting, that are releasing when you are having sex. It is dangerous to be in. And some people might be like, well, what's wrong with that? I like being high. I like being drunk. It makes me feel good. It makes me forget about my problems. One, that's an issue. If you're having sex in your relationship to ignore your problems or not handle them, that's not healthy. That's not okay. 
And that is what can happen when you are having sex because you're just having sex instead of handling issues, instead of really seeing that person for who they are. You're staying in a situation or in a relationship that you are supposed to be leaving. It can become a mess. Trust me, I've been in so many relationships where I have stayed longer. My judgment, ooh, my judgment was so clouded on some people I have dated. There was cheating. There was... um. We would, we would use sex to cover up the mess that we were in. If we were stressed, we had sex. If I was not happy or he wasn't, we would have sex. And guess what, y'all? I'm single and I'm not with anybody because that's not how God designed it to be. And it was not healthy. All my relationships, yes, have they been, have we had our good moments? And I'm not here to ever disown or um, talk down on my exes, but it was toxic. A lot of our relationships was toxic. As much as we had fun and had good, it was toxic and all of them were sinful. And so, like I said, people are going to say, oh, you know, that's okay. I like that feeling of just being happy and hopeful and the release of dopamine is amazing. Okay. So let's go to 1 Corinthians six 12. I'm just going to read the first part of it. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. So yeah, you feel happy, you feel, you know, stress-free, but it's not beneficial because it's so temporary that you're going to wake up the next day and none of your problems are going to be solved. Yeah, you might feel good when you're drinking, but that's not beneficial for your body or for your health. Yes, you have the right to have sex. You can go, you have free will. Just like you have free will to go steal or rob a bank, but will that be beneficial for your future? No. And it's not, and it's not to be repetitive, but I never knew any of this. I never knew the scripture. I never knew the science behind it. I never knew what it did to me until I gave it up. And now I can see the benefits that come from it. If I like someone and it doesn't work out, guess what? I'm not sad. And my soul is not attached to them because when you have sex, you create soul ties. There's a chemical bond that is tying you to that person. Oxytocin is a bonding hormonal like chemical that when it is released, you are being bonded with someone else. That's hard to break. I remember I was watching a sermon with Mike Todd and he did the illustration of gluing two pieces of paper together. And when you rip them apart, there's pieces from one paper on the other and then vice versa. When you have sex with someone that's not your husband and y'all break up or it was a one night stand or you're having friends with benefits, you are ripping a piece of you and it is stuck on that person. There is a soul tie. When they walk in the room, you don't have a peaceful spirit or it's a little awkward, especially if you're with your new man and especially if he knows about him or if she knows about her. This is going both ways here. But when you do that, you are combining, you are connecting with someone. And when that is ripped apart, there's a piece of you that is with them. I will never forget Michael Todd used this analogy that honestly changed my life. He talked about a chicken nugget. (laughs) And it's really silly, but he said, every time you have sex with someone, someone takes a bite out of your chicken nugget. How much left of that nugget are you going to be able to give to your husband or your wife? And when I tell y'all that hit me to my core, it hit me because I want to be able to give my husband every piece of me. And I already can't do that. 
but there is redemption, there is forgiveness, there is restoration, and it is possible to be freed from this. But for me, I, like I said, I want to give who I'm supposed to be married to every piece of me that he can have. Unfortunately, other people have a piece of me. And those soul ties had to be broken. Some took longer than, other, than others. And it's a process. It's not easy. And if you feel shame or guilt, because trust me, when I also want to say I've been on this abstinent journey for almost two years now. So celibacy and absent, they are a little different. I, I think celibacy is like celibacy is generally recognized as a voluntary choice to remain unmarried or engage in any form of sexual activity, usually in order to fulfill a religious vow. In this sense, you can be accurate. One can accurately be said to be practicing sexual abstinence as a condition of his or her vow of celibacy. So I've been on my celibacy absent. I have to do a deeper dive into the like core difference of those. Um, but I say that I'm going through abstinence because I'm choosing to not have sex until I'm married. And I have been on this journey for like two years. I have committed to it and then I failed and I committed and I failed and I committed and I failed. And the shame that I walked around every time I failed was like crazy. But God knew I was going to go through that process. He knew that I was going to fall and fail and sin and mess up. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. And so if you're carrying any shame or guilt, I want you to lay it at his feet and you can pick up and start again. And for me, I started again a lot of times, but I finally got it. And I got that by diving into his word. I am the type of person that I can't unlearn something. So like if I know the truth about it, I can't do the opposite and like feel good about it. And so the more you read his word, the more you dive into scripture, first, second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Romans, Colossians, like it's all in there. It's all in the Bible. There's so much about it, about saving yourself and about living the way that you should be living. And that that is for Jesus and the way that he walked. And we're not going to be perfect. We know that he knows that. But the Bible walks us through the way that we should be trying to live. And one of those ways is pure. And that is pure from sex. That is pure from lying, from having idols. There's so many other things, but obviously we're talking about sex in this episode. And so I want to close with 1 Corinthians 20. This verse, I really think about, it just hit me differently. It might not hit you differently, but it did for me. It says, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I think I used to walk around saying like, I want to honor my body for God. And to me, that's selfish. But if you honor God with your body, you will walk different. You will move different. You will decide differently. And whether, and again, that's with sex. That's with um, making sure you're clean, making sure you're healthy. You work out. It's taking care of your body. So honor God with your body. Don't honor your body for God. For me, there's a difference. One is selfish and one is selfless. I want to honor God with my body, the way that I walk, the way that I talk, the way that I clean, keep it healthy, work out, and the way that I try my best to live pure. I want to end with this. I just said I want to end with scripture, but I want to end with this because I never had this of how can I help myself until I get to a point where I'm doing it for God it took me a minute. I had to stay out of certain situations and not go places and not talk to people. But now I'm solely, I'm doing this because I love God and I want to live by his word. 
the one thing that helped me the most was immersing myself, immersing myself into his word. Because the more you read, the more you will learn, the more you will understand, the more you will see how he intended us to live. And it's not a boring life. Y'all, I'm having the most fun in my life that I've ever had, ever. And I'm living the most righteous I've ever lived. And that's not to boast myself. I still sin. I still make mistakes. I'm still not this perfect person. But I am on effort of living my life for nobody but Jesus. Emerge yourself in his word. Again, there are so many scriptures and passages that can help you understand and know the way that you should be living. Know your triggers. If you cannot control being in a room with the opposite sex, don't be alone in the room with them. Don't even hang out at the house. Hang out out in public. Go out to eat. Watch your intimate car sessions. Y'all know how car, late night car conversations can go. If you cannot kiss without it turning into something else, do not kiss. It's that simple. If you can't cuddle without it turning into something else, don't cuddle. Know your triggers and set those boundaries. That is a huge thing of setting your boundaries. Whether that's setting curfews, you don't hang out alone, you don't kiss a certain way, you don't cuddle a certain way, you don't travel together. Boundaries are so important when you are trying to live this pure life. What is your why? Are you only doing it for yourself to keep your body count at a certain number? To show yourself more respect? Sure, yeah, those are all good things. But if your why is not Jesus, and if your why is solely not staying pure for him, you will fall every time. Trust me, I did it. My why was, I don't want other people to have me. I just want to, you know, make sure that I don't have too high of a body. And it didn't work. Now, my why is because I live for God. And I know that when I step out of his will and and I disobey his law, I'm hurting him. And would you want to date anyone that continuously hurts you? and cheats on you? No. So why do it to Jesus? If you're zesty before you go on a date, before you hang out with your man, your girl, don't go or go out in a public place. Know your triggers, know what's good for you and know what's bad for you. Sex is good. God designed it to be amazing and for us to have lots of it, but in the context of marriage. And if you've had sex outside of marriage, as I have, there is redemption. You can repent. And when you repent, you turn from it. You don't have sex tonight and then repent in the morning knowing you're going to have sex again tomorrow. That's not true repentance. And it took me a minute to get to true repentance because I used to do that. And that might be you. It might take you a little bit to get there. And that's okay. I believe that Jesus will forgive you, forgive you to the point where you turn it into true repentance but don't abuse it. We abuse God's grace all the time. And that is not what we should do in this situation. If you want to turn from this, give it to him. Let him know everything. Set your boundaries. Know your triggers. Find people that are also on the same mission. If you're dating a guy or a girl and they're only not having sex because you're not, the minute you are weak, y'all are both going to fail because they're only doing it for you. And so if you're in a place where you're like, all right, I can't do this. Let's go. They're going to go. And you're probably going to wake up with a lot of shame and guilt. So meet people, date people, be with people that have the same goal as you. God wants you to have sex, but he wants you to wait until marriage to do so. Let's pray. 
Dear God, I thank you so much for this word. I thank you for the testimony that you have given me that I'm allowed to just share and help with other people. Lord, I pray that sex becomes more of a hot topic in church because we need it. Our world, this generation, especially the generation under me, Lord, we need to learn about sex, the benefits of it in marriage and the harmness that it can do outside of marriage. You designed sex to be good for us to have a lot of it, for us to multiply God, but with our husband and our wife, not our girlfriend, not our boyfriend, not our friend and our friend, our husband and our wife, Lord. And I pray that whoever is listening to this, if they have had sex and they feel shame and guilt, Lord, that you strip that way off of them, that they know that they can come to you and repent and you will forgive them and you still love them. Lord, if there's someone on the edge questioning if they should give up sex and if they should live this life of purity, Lord, I pray that you give them that extra boost and encouragement to do so because it is so freeing. Lord, I pray over those that have been waiting and are still waiting and that are faced with temptation as we all will be, Lord, I ask that you stay with them, give them strength and always provide them with a way out as your word says you will. Let us honor you with our bodies and save ourselves for the marriage bed and for our husband and for our wife. Lord, I love you. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We praise you and we thank you. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. (music) 